John chapter 10, Jesus is the good shepherd, and this is what I'm going to preach to you today. And I'm going to do some, a little bit of reading here. It's going to take me a, a little bit, but, but this is what it says. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. First of all, that is a huge statement just right there. We know he's not going to tell us a lie. But when Jesus reiterates, when he, when he makes this statement and he emphasizes the fact that he's going to tell you the truth, that is code for you to listen up. That when Jesus says, I tell you the truth, that means let your ears perk up. Because he's about ready to tell you something that you absolutely need to know. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his sheep by name and leads them out. And he has gathered his own flock. He walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. I'm going to pick this apart for you here in just a minute. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know his voice. And those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. Here's the interpretation to that, as I, I talked to you, that anthropomorphic terms that Jesus used. That's big, long Bible talk for just metaphors and similes and, 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 and just trying to, to help these people come to an understanding of the intent of what he's saying. And he said, I tell you the truth, he says, again, ears perk up. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. And yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and, I, and they will find good pastures. The thief's purpose, that's the devil, is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees the wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care for the sheep. I am, again he says, the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. Just as my Father knows me, and I know the Father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. And listen to this. 
I have other sheep too. That's you and me. That's the Gentiles. That are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. And there will be one flock with one shepherd. The Father loves me because I sacrifice my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down and when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. Father in heaven, we pray in the name of Jesus. And give us clear understanding, Lord, of this particular story and illustration that you gave to the people of yesteryear and how applicable it is for us today. And God, we thank you for all that you do and every day of our life that you guide us and lead us because we need it, Lord. We, we, are, we are so lost in this age that we're in. There is so much evil in the world right now. There is so much deception and lying, cheating. God, there is so much going on. And Lord, we are about to be attacked by an enemy. And we know that Satan is attacking this country. For it was founded as a beacon of light to the world under your principles. And there is an evil force that wishes to take that away. And so, God, we ask you to guide us and lead us and be with us. And Lord, we thank you for all good things we know comes through you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to understand something. And I've said this before. That everything carnal has a spiritual beginning. I want you to understand that very clearly. Everything that is carnal has a spiritual beginning. Now, what do I mean by that? Okay. Whatever's in the heart of man eventually causes man to act in that very manner. So what's in your heart? What? what condition your, your heart is in spiritually ultimately will become a carnal act in this world. If in your heart you believe you're a liar in heart, you're a thief in heart, that's exactly what you're going to do. Everything that goes on in this world has a spiritual root to it. So when the world is predominantly evil, and evil things consistently keep happening, you can diagnose very easily, very simply, that there's evil behind these carnal acts, that it's a spiritual beginning of a carnal act. Which tells me that if you live in, say, a town that has a very high crime rate, it's because that town's people have very much so are dominated by evil in their hearts. Because eventually, the spiritual condition will come out in a carnal, physical way. If people are evil in their heart, they will steal. 
They will destroy. They will rob. They will do all these acts that's going on right now because of evil. Has a, every evil act has a spiritual beginning. Always remember that. The world's in chaos right now. Politicians are lying like crazy. The media no longer reports facts. It's propaganda because evil has taken over. Evil has taken over. People says, man, I can remember a time when things wasn't this way because evil wasn't as, as predominant. It was, it's always been here, but now it's just open. It's rejoiced over. It's celebrated. Nobody's afraid to, 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 uh, of their actions anymore. You just feels good, do it. And evil has made its way. In this day and time especially, you have to be sustained. And the only thing that can sustain you is the Word of God that can make you live through this, this very difficult time that we're in. So the first thing that Jesus begins to say is He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must be a thief or a robber or they would use the door. He said, I'm the door. So what is a door? The, the question then has to be asked, okay, then what's a door? A door is a portal of access for you to enter in something and go out of something. It gives you access to go places. It gives you a way to go in and a way to go out. In other words, Jesus was telling the people that He Himself alone can only be the entrance into the kingdom of God and into God's presence. So when you go in the door, you have access to God and the shepherd is with you. And when you go out of the door and you go back into the world and go back into your life and go back into your homes and go back into your work and go back into whatever it is that you do, go back into your families, you also have the shepherd with you there because he's the door for the sheepfold. They go in to find pasture and then they go out to do their thing and then they come back in to find, to, to find everything essential for their spiritual needs and then they go out. He's the door. Think about your own home, if you would. Think about this. When people who are your family, who you love and you adore and are close to you, right? Your door is always what to them? Open. They have free and available access anytime that they want to come in and out of your door. Nobody has to ask. I'm sure that if Luke comes over or Jeremiah comes over or whoever comes over to your door, they don't necessarily have to knock. They can just come on in because they have access through that door because of your relationship with them. Jesus said, my sheep, they come through the door. I know them. There's your intimate relationship. They come in, they come out. They run in, they run out. They go in and out. Everything that they have need of. Do you remember when you went home? What would life have been like for you if you couldn't have gone home when you was a child? I want you to think about that. 
Some of you home might not have been so good. But what would life have been like if you wanted to go home, but you had to, in order to get home, you had to go through the door. What was on the other side of that door for you? You remember when you were younger and you went to school and you had, you were sent out to school without everything that you had need of to go to that six or eight hour uh, a day uh, venture into the world. You had enough to make it then, but then you had to what? Come home. You had to come home in order to be able to get sustained for the rest of your life. What was at home for you inside that door? You had to get in the door. What would life have been like that if, if, if your mom and dad would have locked you out and you couldn't get in home? What would you have lost? Think about that with me just for a second. When Jesus says, I am the door, what does that mean? What do you hold for your children on the other side of that door? We say lock the doors at night. Because there's certain people that you know that you give access to, but there's certain other people you don't want to come in and you will not allow them in. Because your home is a protected place. It's a place of rest. It's a place of prayer. It's a place of, of, of replenishment. It's a place of living. It's a place where families are at, but it's not a place for strangers to come in. And if somebody tries to come in, come in some other way than the door, what are they then? You carry a gun for that person. You got a dog for that person. Because if they come in some other way, they have to be a thief or a robber. If you see somebody climbing in your window, you're not going to go, oh, hey, it's good to see you. Come on in. Especially at two o'clock in the morning. Scarce will we even go to the door and when somebody's knocking on the door. But permission to access through the portal is only given to certain people in which we know. There had to be a formal other relationship, a formal time when you were introduced and you got to know that person and that person became something to you before you would ever let them in your door. Jesus said, I'm the door. There's so much theology in a, in a, in a dad burned door. It keeps evil on the outside, keeps good on the inside. But think about that. You get off that school bus and you're seven years old, eight years old. You had just enough to make it through the day. You come home. Why are you going home? Because inside that door is a box of chocolate Pop-Tarts. Just checking and seeing if you're listening. There's some of Betty's cornbread on the other side of that door. There's leftovers from the night before when she made them old West Virginia uh, cornbread and pinto beans and, and who knows what else and a chew of tobacco in there. And you had to get in there because what was inside there? There was your bed was in there, right? That was the place when you went to get on the phone and talk to your boyfriends, Kathy did. So you couldn't do that anywhere else. You needed to go home because that's where my mom's at. That's where my dad's at. That's where I'm protected. That's where I can eat. That's where all my supplies are at. That's where I sleep. That's where I get up in the morning. That's my home. What would a seven or eight year old do if they couldn't have got in there? 
We see Kathy sitting with her mother this morning because she had developed a relationship with her because she realizes that that's her mother who provided a home for her. Your relationship stems from that. She's important to you because of that. Because of the nurture and the care that she provided over all the years. And for the nurture and the care that you provided your children all these years. Because there's a door that's open to your family, to your friends. And they can come in and they can find rest. Jesus said, in order to enter my house where I can provide all that to you. Where I can be your good shepherd. you got to get to know me. And if you try to come in my house some other way, guess what's going to happen to you? You can say that you're welcome at my house. You can say that you can come to my house, but I ain't going to let you in. I don't know you. He told, he told the people, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I don't know you. You know me, but I don't know you. I'm not going to let you in my home. I'm not going to open the door for you to come in and have access. Why? Because I don't know you. You've never gotten to know me. You just claim me. You look in the windows of your home and you see a, you see a home where people, it's cold outside, but you see people walking in when you look in the windows. You're looking in the windows and people don't have no coat on and they look comfortable and they're sitting down and they're laughing and they're having a good time and they're watching the television or they're doing something different. They're playing a game together or they're, they're talking and conversing or they're sitting at the supper table and you see the, the steam coming off of hot served food, but you're out on the outside with your coat on. You're cold and your nose is pressed up against the window, but you're not welcome in. Because you're a thief and a robber and a stranger. You might disrupt my home. So the only way that you can get in, the only way that Jesus can become your shepherd is you have to become a part of the sheepfold. And the only way to do that is to go through the door. You need to go in to the door. These people that believe in Jesus but refuse to believe in Him for salvation so that He can become their shepherd. The only way that Jesus can become your shepherd is you must become one of His sheep. You don't do that through a declaration. You do that through faith in Jesus Christ for who He is. And you bow the knee and you humbly ask for forgiveness, acknowledging that you need to be saved. And then access will be given to you. This is the only way that it can happen. Then there's times, in, and I'm telling you what's going on right now. Do you remember... In the days of the disciples when Jesus was persecuted and He was crucified and He was in the ground for three days. What happened to the sheep? They scattered. Jesus had to spend time gathering His sheep back up. He had to get them all back together. And He gathered them all back together. Even the doubting Thomas. And he showed them who he was and brought them back. They were scared to death. And this is what God's doing now. And we see all this trouble going on in the world right now. And we got all these reasons to be scared. 
And Jesus is trying to gather the sheep back in. Put them back into the sheepfold. Get the sheepfold back. Put them back within the gate where there's safety. Where there's, where there's plenty. And a place of rest. If not, you're going to be scattered. I don't know if you've ever watched video of a wolf attacking sheep. It's a terrible thing to see. You go out there on the internet, you can find these. I was watching one just the other day of these sheep dogs. These Caucasian Ovcharka sheep dogs. They're some bad dudes, man. The wolf came in amongst the sheep. The dog didn't immediately see it. The wolf comes in, grabs one sheep by the throat, and that, that sheep is just, it's being, the wolf is just leading it. And it's just sitting there bleeding, and you can see the blood running down its neck where the wolf is sinking his fangs into its neck. And it's just bleeding, almost, almost like it's begging for mercy. And that's how Satan will do you if he gets an opportunity. Because you don't stand a chance in your own power to withstand Him. He will come in like a wolf and He will just take you over. And He will rip you to shreds. And there's nothing you can do about it. But if Christ is your Savior, He will protect you from that. That dog finally seen that wolf. And let me tell you something. He killed that wolf in just a few seconds. He seen the sheep. He had become attached to the sheep. You see, the sheep, the sheep dog is always put with them from the earliest of age. From the time it's just a puppy. You don't raise that thing in the house. You don't, it's not the typical dog that you know of. It's not the Labrador pet retriever that you get and play games with to teach you tricks. No, you take a, you take a great Pyrenees, you take an Ovcharka, you take a livestock guardian dog, the, the, uh, the, the, you, you place them with the sheep. They live with them. And there might be times you don't see them for weeks. Out west especially, they roam with them. You know, they're not your dog like that. You go out there every now and then you feed them. And they stay with them. They protect the sheep because they've become attached to them. They love them. And they won't let anything hurt them. And that's what Jesus Christ is for us. He's keeping constant eye. Watching constantly. Always on the look. Never sleeps. Always walking amongst the sheep to see what's in the middle of them. Making sure everybody's okay. And then when the one gets a little too far out, he'll go and get it and herd it back. Because there's safety with the sheepfold. With the shepherd. 